I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. As we continue in this series covering the basic doctrine of the ordinances of the church, ordinances being those things that are ordinary that we just practice as a church, things like communion and baptism. These are the New Testament ordinances that we're, we're called to practice. You can make a case as well for uh, ordination, uh, as in the ordination of a new deacon or a pastor. But for our purposes, we're going to look at the doctrines of baptism and communion in this series. When we get to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus next year, we'll talk more about ordination of pastors and the laying on of hands to commission them. In the Old Testament, we have deep roots for baptism. So when you see a New Testament baptism today, someone who's baptized in accordance with Jesus' instructions in the Great Commission, that's Matthew 28, 18 through 20, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't really know why we do this hand thing. We just do it. There's nothing magical about it. You know, it's just a hand. But it is a way of making it official. Like this is, I, I am proclaiming the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit like Jesus told us to. When you see that, that wasn't, that wasn't a last minute addition onto the covenant on God's part. It was deliberate. It was intentional. I believe all the way back to the very beginning of Genesis, wherein before creation was complete, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. We see the creation account begin with water. We see the whole redemption story culminate in this heavenly city wherein there is water. There is a river of life flowing from the tree of life in the heavenly city. Water is ubiquitous throughout redemptive history. And this Old Testament foundation was being constructed for millennia. And now today, when you see a New Testament baptism, you're seeing the culmination of something that God waited 4,000 years at least to bring about to its modern iteration. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. Remember the pillar of cloud that would lead the Israelites to the Exodus? all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. It's really cool to see these Old Testament stories like even the rock that Moses cracked open to allow water to flow. He didn't do it quite the right way by the way. He kind of took credit for what was happening. You can see now in 1 Corinthians 10, thousands of years later, partly why God disciplined Moses so severely, because that rock was Christ. That rock, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 4, was Christ. It was symbolic of Christ. It represented Christ. It foreshadowed Christ. Every Old Testament story points forward to Jesus. Did you catch as well in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. This is an Old Testament baptism. Every Old Testament story is deliberate. And today, you and I are privileged just because of the year in which we were born to see the culmination of what God spent thousands of years preparing and foreshadowing. God knew exactly what he was doing and he could have unveiled this intent for baptism at any time, but it wouldn't have made sense until the Messiah's work had been completed. So I want you to look with deep appreciation on baptism. Think back to your own baptism. You were baptized. You're baptized at a, at a church that follows the New Testament model. You're baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, Jesus, in the name of the Holy Spirit. 
And that same Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. That same son was the Logos who was with God in the beginning. That same father is the one who said, let there be light. That same father is the one who shepherded his people Israel in the Old Testament through the Red Sea miraculously. By the time they get to the other side, there's no doubt. They are now free. There's no doubt who freed them. And now they have a new name. When you pass through the waters of baptism, you proclaimed publicly your freedom. You know exactly who set you free and you have a new name. You are a new person. Just as Israel was created, was born through and baptized through the waters of the Red Sea, at your baptism, you buried the old self and you raised to walk in newness of life. If you're ever tempted to get back into your previous sin that you lived in before you followed Christ, it's like going back under the water and holding your breath. You can't stay there long. Live people tend to be quite uncomfortable around death. And when you and I go back into the waters, back into the flood, back into the raging Jordan River, back into the Red Sea where the Egyptians and their chariots are fast on our heels, we're going back into the water. We're going out of our new life, back into our old life again. If you haven't been baptized yet, go right now to redemptionwashington.com. Fill out a connect card and check the second box indicating that you want to be baptized. This is a big deal. There's far more at work in baptism than just dunking someone. It has Old Testament roots and New Testament significance. It is the burial of the old self, a resurrection into new life. It has been practiced by God since the very beginning, all the way back to the book of Genesis, all the way back to the book of Exodus. Just as the Israelites were baptized through the Red Sea, you can be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be baptized today.